Hi, uh, I, my name is Delaney. Um, I'm on staff here at Central City. Um, I'm your, I'm the small group uh, lead coordinator. I'm um, sorry. Sit down. <laughs> sit down. <laughs> and city kids, you can you can also head downstairs. <laughs> um, so I've been here for a little while, around since I started back in May. Um, I led several small group ministries um, when I was at Ohio Christian University. Um, I got my master's in spiritual formation, and so being in small group ministries is like kind of my dream and something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and so as as I've um, started here at Central City, it's really become kind of like a dream job for me. Um, and along with that, before I get started on my sermon, I have just, I think just like one announcement. Um, we, after this sermon series is over. This is the final sermon series for Community is Important. Um, we're going to be doing a holy love series on LGBTQ affirmation um, in the church and how we tackle those sort of issues um, on a daily basis and then also in the church community. Um, and we're going to be having a discussion group. Um, I'm not sure when yet or what time or anything like that. Um, we're going to be sending out a survey to... Um, kind of see like what would be the best days and times for all of you to, if you would want to join a discussion group. And by the end of my sermon, I hope to kind of explain to you what the whole point of this discussion group is, because it's going to start out um, kind of the launch of our small group ministry. And I know Central has kind of only had just a couple select groups, um, but we're really wanting to make it make more groups, have more leaders, and have these discussion groups be more of a common thing that we do. Um, and so to start out, um, we're going to start with this discussion group that I'm going to be leading, and then Joe's going to help me a little bit. Um, but it'll go hand in hand with the sermon series. So that's the first um, just announcement. And then I think other than that, um, that's about it for announcements because that's, that'll just go along with our next um, group. But today, I'm going to talk to you about why community is important to the Christian faith um, and to us as humans. But I need to set the stage a little bit first to explain um, a little bit about my selected passage that I'm going to talk about. The disciples had all parted ways after Jesus um, was crucified, and they knew that he had been buried. But when he was resurrected on the third day, he was appearing to uh, very many different groups of the twelve. He was possibly only seen by certain disciples at this time, not all of them. This group remains unnamed in the scriptures, but it is noted that they were part of the original twelve. There are several things the text does not mention, like why they were on the road, where they were going, anything like that. But a commentary that I did read said that many of the disciples were still in need of a full insight due to their disbelief of the resurrection. Therefore, they didn't really know or understand or believe that Jesus had actually been resurrected. Um, ironically enough, the disciples began to impose their hopes and desires of who Jesus Christ was um, to them today after his life and ministry. And after we're finished today, I'm hoping that I can also impose my hopes and desires on what I believe it means to be a community in the church. So read with me. It'll be up on the screen, or if you want to pull it up, um, Luke 24, 13 through 35. Um, this is kind of long, so bear with me. I'm just going to read through and kind of give my own commentary as we go. 
Um, so verse 13. <clears throat> On the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people. How our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. So here's the part that I was talking about earlier, um, about how the disciples are imposing what they believe on Jesus and what he came to do. Because they didn't necessarily know yet, but they are just saying, I want you guys to believe this. I want this to happen. Verse 22. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found out it was just the woman had said, but they did not see him. Verse 25, then he said to them, oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe that all the prophets had declared. Was it not necessary of the, that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted them, the, the things about himself in the scriptures. Jesus began to literally explain who he was to the disciples by interpreting the scriptures that they had already known so well. Then verse 28, as they came near to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening, and the day is now nearly over. So we went in to stay with them, where he was at the table with them. He took bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then, then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight, and said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? There was an importance in the preparation of the recognition of the meal. As soon as Jesus vanishes, the disciples recall the conversation on the road. Already, they were signs of awareness. For the disciples, their hearts were burning. The connection between the two phrases of the Emmaus story is strengthened by the reuse of the word open. Before their eyes were opened, Jesus was opening the scriptures to them. The whole Emmaus narrative is a relevatory process. Then on verse 33, the same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven there, and their companions gathered together. They were saying, the Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told him what had happened on the road, and how it had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this, this opportunity to be able to share your word with this congregation um, and just the ability that you have given me to impart these words um, to these people. And I just pray that your spirit is on me and that um, everyone understands what I'm saying and that um, we can just begin to listen to your words 
center ourselves in what we need to hear in this message and just be with me as I deliver it. In your name we pray, amen. Why was it that their eyes were opened only when Jesus broke the bread? This part kind of reminds me of something Joe had said in our Bible class, for those of you that were there. Um, He said, we are little Christs, not little Bibles. The disciples remembered Jesus by his actions and something they did often together versus the scriptures that they had recited together thousands and thousands of times. Um, I find this so interesting because when I first started my deconstruction journey, I could definitely identify with that. The Bible felt so foreign to me um, as I've heard these same stories over and over and they they didn't feel welcoming or loving anymore as I read them on the page. I'd heard them interpreted millions of different ways, and I just couldn't hear his voice in the word. But the disciples' hearts were burning as they heard these words. I find that interesting as well. They were becoming open. They were becoming aware as they were either both hearing the scriptures and then seeing Jesus in person. Oftentimes, we do need to experience Christ in a personal way that doesn't involve scripture at all. <laughs> and I think a lot of people kind of find that confusing and they don't understand because we worship the scripture as it, as it is Christ. And Christ is separate from the scripture. Um, we need just Christ alone. Um, and I found this during my times of grief to be so true for myself. Sometimes when you're sad, it makes your perception broader because you can't just read the scripture and that's it. There's always more to it than that. So going back to the story of the disciples, I'm sure that they were on maybe a little deconstruction journey of their own. One of their best friends had just died. Um, he, was, he had supposedly resurrected from the dead, but they didn't know that. Um, and it is a lot to handle or understand if you don't know what that is. Um, I'm sure they're struggling with grief. And a lot of the time, people don't know how to handle their own grief. Um, One of the most important things for me during my time of grief personally was the community of people that I surrounded myself with. Um, If I was with someone that couldn't handle my big questions about grief or my awkward transitions and conversations to start talking about my sister again who had recently passed away, um, that wasn't healing for me and those people would give me kind of weird looks and they didn't understand where I was coming from. I could never put a finger exactly on what I needed at any time when I was going through that, but I had people that cared for me so closely and loved me through such a hard time, even when I was angry and even when all I did was weep. Um, I had friends that were there for me. The disciples in this time needed friends. Like this, they were also struggling with the death of their best friend, Jesus. It makes sense as why they were imposing what they needed and what they wanted from this so-called stranger, who was Jesus, but they didn't know. Um, I did that too. Um, The people we lose are always just supposed to do more than just die. Um, They always have hopes and dreams and things that they wanted to be. Jesus was supposed to bring his kingdom here, but then he died. So they could not see any of the resolution of that through all of their grief. Friends and community are so important through hard times like this. When you're sad and struggling, your perception is blurred and you find it hard to see Jesus in these things. I struggled to recognize Jesus myself. I couldn't hear his voice in the same way that I had. I had to learn to relearn his voice. I had to humble myself and receive help from community in order to get that. 
Um, and it was only through that that I began to see Jesus again, but it was new, it was different. It was a different Jesus than I had ever remembered like believing in or talking to when I was younger. Everything was, began to be put into perspective for me. Um, I learned that life is fleeting and that <laughs> it doesn't last forever, obviously. Um, grief changes people, sometimes for the better, sometimes for the worse. But either way, things just are different. Um, when the disciples were on their way to Emmaus, I just don't think that they recognized Jesus because he was out of place for where they were. They thought he was gone. Um, and when, they recited, when he recited the scriptures to them, I think it was in one ear and out the other because they were dealing with so much grief from his gruesome death. Um, they were, their ears were blocked from who he truly was. I have experienced this firsthand. When you're grieving someone that you love, nothing is ever clear. No one can get through the fog except Jesus himself. And as lame as that may sound, when community and vulnerability are given, that's when we're able to see the truth. Um, they knew he looked differently than the Jesus that he was before, because, but they recognized him around the table. So as many of you, we've talked about a little bit today already as we've gone through deconstruction, Jesus, community, and the people we love and trust can come into many different shapes and forms. But I never thought that I would be where I am today in this community. No way at all. For me, I kind of thought I would never go to church again um, because of everything that I experienced in the past. But when I came to Central City, I was hurt, traumatized, and scared, and I sat in a pew, and I let that be. And I didn't think it was going to be possible for me to ever find a trustworthy church again, so I just sat in the pew, and I just let it, I just let it be. But I was essentially in the, my old community that I was in when I was going through these things. I was essentially told to clean it up or get off the leadership team. Um, to them, my character was directly correlated by the choices that I was making because of what I was going through. Um, even through grief, pain, struggle, everything that I was going through, just you know, human stuff, my heart for ministry stayed the same, and I faithfully went to church and served every single Sunday. Um, no matter how much physical pain I was in, because I, I was in the, all of this pain, but I had a feeling deep down that the leadership team would not meet me with understanding or care, so I didn't tell them what I was going through. Um, but when, I met, when me and my husband first met with Joe, um, after only coming to Central City a few times, I, was given, I gave vulnerability um, and in return, I was given a hug, and what can I do to make this better for you? How can I make your church experience better for you? And we were sitting at Harvest Pizza in Franklinton, um, and over a meal, I poured my heart out to him, very similarly to the disciples with Jesus on that road. Um, my point of view was quickly changed. I was formally taught that church communities were about being fake, putting your best foot forward, but that is not what I have seen in this church. I have never in my life been able to lay everything out on the table and just be accepted for those things. Never asked to change, never asked to leave as if I were too much. To be fair, I do believe that many, many people in the Christian church do their best to love and accept others. Um, 
but the church is riddled with duality. This is my favorite explanation of this to date. <laughs> um, so it's all black and white, or both and is the difference between those two things. Um, so this is where all of this started for me. I cringe at posts on social media of people that say the Christian life isn't about affirmation, it's about transformation. Okay, why can't it be both? It is both. We can affirm our people and watch them transform due to the love and radical transformation and acceptance that Christ gives us, and then we as people of Christ followers give that to them as well. A terrible experience in your life can always have good in it somewhere. That is why I have come to know that duality is a myth, and we have to operate as Christ followers in non-duality. Can, can we put that graphic up? This, this is the best way that I can explain it. A lot of times Christians believe that their whole life is black and white, like right, wrong, good, bad, and I have to walk this way or else Christ is going to pull me off the path and I'm not there anymore. I have to walk this way or else Christ is going to pull me off the path and I'm not there anymore. But, and, and actually, in Bible college, I was taught that this was incorrect that gray is not the way. Like, you can't, nothing can ever be gray. It's always going to be black and white because of scripture. But the truth is, nothing is black and white. That's a myth. That is duality. We are always living in the gray um, because terrible experiences can bring us to Christ. Good experience can bring us to Christ. In the end, the best part about it is that you know that if you're in the gray, that he's going to bring you back. Um, and like I said, Jesus was a perfect example of affirmation of personhood over our actions. Um, look at the woman at the well. Jesus broke social norms all the time by talking to a Samaritan woman as a Jew himself. Not only that it was known, but that this woman was living in sin, divorce, but he told her that I am the water in which you will drink and thirst no more. And then in verse 21, um, John 4.21, Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Look at that again, verse 23. True worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And these are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. God is the Spirit. His worshipers must worship in that truth. Verse 25, the woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. He had come to be the savior of the world across all cultural and sin boundaries. Is that not good news? Jesus said, soon as, as soon as we worship in spirit and truth together, that reminds me a lot of this quote from Brad McLaren um, in a book called A New Kind of Christianity. And in my eyes, I want you guys to reflect on this quote as I'm reading it, um, because in my eyes, this to me is what the church of God is supposed to be. Um, if you could put that, that quote up for me. Churches simply put, Come to be communities that you love one another as I have loved you. 
no one, no greater love than this to lay down one's life for a friend. <laughs> this is random, but one time when I was a kid, I had this, a picture frame that said this, and it had like the cross and like Jesus on the cross, and then on the other side of the picture frame, it said, no greater love than this to lay down one's life for your friends. And then in the picture frame, I had a picture of all of my youth friends in it. <laughs> That's funny to me now, but I think, I think, I think that like, I, I've always like thought, okay, that, that verse is about me laying down my life for my friends, but it really was Jesus doing that for us. We're his friends, not the other way around. Um, sometimes community, and then on the other side of the coin, sometimes community means treating someone in a way that they've never experienced before. Um, sometimes that means selling yourself out in order for that other person not to be the only one like selected out of the crowd. Um, and today, like, there's a lot of minorities that people are not speaking out about. And as a church, at, in this church at Central City, we say Black Lives Matter, but are we saying it with our chest? Like, are we really out here saying like Black Lives actually matter to us? We say that we love our LGBTQ siblings, but what are we doing to prove that to anybody out there? We have to do these things wholeheartedly. And if that means putting our own needs at risk just to be there for somebody, is that not what community and friendship is all about anyways? <laughs> I would say, and I say this all the time, that I would literally put my life down for somebody else because that's what Jesus did. But who are the least of these to Jesus today? Was the black person the Samaritan woman? Was the leper someone that was in the LGBTQ community? Is that how we treat people today? So as we reflect back on the disciples on their way to Emmaus, going all the way back to the beginning, what was important for them in their time of need? Did they need a savior or did they need to hear what the scriptures had to say? While both are so important to our faith, I think community means being more like a person of Jesus to each other than to people that we may not even know. And that's what community is. Actions speak louder than words, as the old saying goes, but what can we do today to change the way that we view people? What are we doing to share Jesus with actions and not words today? I'll leave you with this, but I'll probably say more. If, if we, this is serious, this is serious. If we as Christians do not begin to do this, if we don't flip the script now, I truly, truly, truly believe that Christianity as we know it today is going to cease to exist. I really think that, you guys. I really think that like Christianity in America is like going to like just be gone. And all a lot of other religions will take over because they're doing a better job. So... If we can continue to do what John Wesley said, do, do no harm if we can help it, do good if we try, and continue to fall in love with Jesus in order to make these things happen. It's important to stay in community with our church family, especially when things are tough and especially when we're in doubt. Let me pray for you guys. God, thank you so much for this time. Um, and I pray that you just continue to be with us. Continue to give us action and clarity on how to be more like you in our everyday lives. In your name we pray, amen.
All right, I'm not done. Um, so I, want, I have a quick plug. This is like the whole point of the whole point of me doing this sermon and this like sermon series was to launch small groups. Um, and I don't know if uh, and a lot of you here are in a small group currently, but my idea for what I want to do, since it's it's difficult to just say, go to this small group, hang out with these people that you don't know. Um, I want to get, open up the floor and give you guys the opportunity. If you want to lead a group in your own home or wherever you may be, um, I'm giving you the opportunity today after, after I'm done here and after it's over when we get the music back on and everything. Um, I want you guys to come up and share with me if you're interested in leading a group because I'm going to do a small group leader training. Um, and the days and times will be up to you guys of whenever that would work for you, whenever you'd want to do that. Um, and we're going to do like a really short training. It'll probably just be like a couple hours in an evening or something like that. Um, I want to do a training just so that you kind of know what you're getting yourself into um, with being a leader. If you're not interested in being a leader, I have something for you as well. <laughs> we're, we're, we have the discussion groups for Holy Love, but in the future, we're going to be having a discussion group for every sermon series that we have. So that's kind of going to be a catch-all for anyone else that wants to be in a small group that's not leading or if they're not already in one. We have two groups that are currently going on, but they're full. So that's why I am um, kind of opening up the floor to you guys to lead your own group. And then another thing to remember, too, it does not have to be a weekly group. It can be monthly. It can be biweekly. But if you're interested in leading, please absolutely let me know today after service or Joe, um, because we definitely want to open up the floor to you guys and just be able to um, get you any resources that you need. Um, and so I leave you with that. If you would, please turn on some music so it's not so awkwardly quiet in here. Thank you. <laughs> you guys have a great week.